Good day, y'all. How y'all feeling? Good. Good. Y'all, y'all sleepy? Oh, y'all ready? Well, I am too. It's number three. I'm about to, like they told me I only had a certain amount of time. I'm about to go overtime. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So good to be here today with you guys. Grateful for your pastors, specifically my good friend, Pastor Bob, and the privilege um, to, to, to serve y'all today. And grateful that my dad is here with me today. Um, uh, St. Louis's version of Emmett Smith is what I told them. Uh, in the last service now. I mean, everybody's saying, hey, Mike Bird's famous. No, my dad and my mind played football for the Dallas Cowboys. And can't nobody tell, I mean, I know they don't win and they probably never will, but like, hey, you know. Uh, no, dad, glad to have you here and, and glad to glad to share the word with y'all today. Y'all, this is round three and I can't wait to eat, okay? So grab your Bibles, let's go to Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five. Romans chapter 5 is where we are, and I'm gonna, we're going to look at the first 11 verses here in Romans 5. As you're turning there, um, I've warned the first two services, and, and I think I need to warn y'all of that as well, right? My warning is this. I don't like quiet rooms, right? When rooms are quiet, I feel like folk plotting on me, right? And I know y'all wouldn't plot on me, so what, what does that mean for you? That means when I say something you agree with, you can say amen. Right? This is, this is your training ground to talk during sermons. Okay? So when your pastor come back next week, y'all can say amen to him too. Right? And he ain't even got to pay me for that. Right? Um, but, but yeah, like, um, if I say something you agree with, it's okay for you to say amen. And if it hits you different, you can say ouch too. You know? But we're going to participate together. What, what do we get from this? The more you participate in the sermon with me, the faster our time will go. But if you're just too quiet and it's good to me, I'm going to repeat it until you say something which is going to add time to the sermon. Now, here's why this is important for you. We don't have a service after this, and I don't have anywhere to be. So I can be here all day now. Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5. Let's begin at verse 1. Here it is. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have also obtained access by faith unto this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Somebody was over there practicing. They said, let's get him done, right? <laughs> Knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. Hallelujah. I love this already. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now 
that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. That is Romans 5, verses 1 through 11. Let's, let's pray um, together. Father, we love you. We honor you. We adore you. We magnify you. We make you big, Lord, because we know that there is none like you. And as heaven and earth adores you, God, with all of the energy that we can muster, God, we desire to glorify you with our time. God, what a joy it is not only to share with your people, but to worship you with your people as we focus on your goodness and your mercy showing toward us. We pour out our praise at your feet, Lord, because you are worthy of the glory. You are worthy, Lord, of the honor, and you are worthy of the praise. How great it is today to share in your word. So I pray that you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight my strength and my redeemer. It's such a joy to declare your truth that I pray that your word will not, God, fall on deaf ears, but that you will use me as a vessel today, God, to declare your word with truth, with passion, and with power. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 As we look today at Romans 5, verses 1 through 11, I want to preach this morning, um, if I can, from a subject, the benefits of the greatest glory, or the benefits, I'm sorry, of the greatest joy, the benefits of the greatest joy, the benefits of the greatest joy. As we look at these verses, I want you to process your life. I want you to process your life from where you are at this moment. I remember this week, we, uh, I was in Atlanta serving at a different church, and they had us, they said, hey, I want you to choose a song or a movie clip, 30 seconds long, that currently tells you the current season of your life. Once I picked mine, I thought about a, the Rocky movie, um, when he was on the beach running with Apollo Creed. Dun, 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 I thought about that, right? Um, but I chose a song that really speaks to my greatest joy in this, in this, in this current stage of my life. And, we don't have time for me to have you to choose a 30-second clip, right? But right where you are, I want you to process for a moment. What is your greatest joy in this life? What is your greatest joy? How do you cultivate that joy? What is it about that particular thing or that particular person or that particular situation that brings you joy? The more and more I thought about that this past week, I realized, right, I chose a song that really, um, by a guy named Ty Tribbett that says, I will bless the Lord, oh my soul, with all that's in me. Bless his holy name. He's done great things. Bless his holy name. And as I really thought about that, right, I realized what the greatest joy in my life was, not only for a season, but forever for me. The greatest joy in this life Simply, it's being right with God. That, that, like, that's the greatest joy in this life. And don't get me wrong, right? I've been married almost 18 years with four kids, and I love my family. Right? I, I love sharing the word of God. I love hanging out with my dad, especially because I love cooling, uh, hanging out with somebody who's a lot cooler than me. Right? My dad is fly. 
Right, and I love them. I love, we have great conversations. We love hanging out together, right? And I'm gonna show you when we leave here that we love eating together, right? But even in all of that, the greatest joy in this life is being right with God. Nothing compares to that. Not a smile from my wife, not eating a good meal with dad, but the greatest joy in this life is being right with God. And if I had to give you a main point today of this text, if I had to tell you and I'm going to scream to you for the rest of my time, the greatest joy in this life is being right with God. Now, one of the greatest things that we experience really as children of God is this doctrinal thing called justification. Now, if we're honest, right, justification or even different doctrines that we learn about, right, we avoid them. Mainly because people get passionate and want to argue about their doctrine, right? You ever want to divide with somebody? Pronounce a doctrine wrong. <laughs> they all of a sudden telling you what it means in Greek. It's like you're trying to tell me what this means in Greek. I can barely speak English well. Right? We avoid these different doctrines and all those different things because they, they are confusing or we have a hard time wrapping our mind around it for whatever case, right? But, but I want to take, if I can, this doctrine is being taught not only here in Romans 5, uh, Romans 5, but it was also the conversation of it began in Romans 4 and spills over into Romans 5. I want to take this doctrine of justification and I want to put it in a blender. I want to chop this up. Right, I want to puree it, if will, to make it easily digestible for all of us as we really begin to think through this, right? This doctrine, right, of justification, this word justification or being justified simply means being made right with God. Being made right with God, right? And when you think about, now, now when you understand that being justified or justification simply made, it means being made right with God. I can put that on a sandwich and eat it, right? I can add some Miracle Whip to some bread. Y'all know because a sandwich is not a sandwich. Without the tangy zip of Miracle Whip, I can take justification, put it on a sandwich and eat it because I realize being right, nothing compares to being justified. There's nothing in this world that really compares to being made right with God. And I'm excited at the fact that I can be right with God, not my own doing, but because of what he did on the cross. Yeah. Right? Being made right with God, right? It's amazing, right? Why is this doctrine so amazing, right? It's because we are sinful people. But on our best day, we're jacked up, right? And I'll just tell you, right, if you have a hard time seeing yourself as sinful, I want to tell you, right, I'll be chief sinner, <laughs> right? I, I, I'm jacked up. I'm a person, right, who, like, I'm not perfect. I'm a jacked up guy, right? But Romans 3 reminds us of this. None is righteous. No, not one. All sins and turn away from God. The, the, he said the taste of asps, right, this poisonous snake, is on their lips, right? Uh, he says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Justification is awesome, y'all, because even though we are sinful, depraved people, right, apart from God, here's your shout here, right? I'm going to teach you how to shout today. Just take notes, right? Here it is. All of us are sinful people. Because of Jesus' finished work on the cross, we can be made right with God. 
That's what makes this so amazing. Those of us who are sinful are made right with God. How? By placing our faith in Christ. Right? Yeah. All of us have sinned, right? But God, with his undeserved kindness, declares us righteous through Christ who frees us from the penalty of our sin. We are justified, made right, when we believe that Jesus Christ sacrificed his life, shed his blood on the cross. Y'all heard, y'all know the old hymn, At the Cross, At the Cross, Why I First Saw the Light, right? Y'all heard that song before. It's because something happened at the cross that we could not do on our own, right? Jesus took our sins on his back, was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, we are made well. Another way to say that is because of what Jesus did on the cross, we're made right with God. Yeah, we are wicked. None of us are perfect. Without Holy Spirit, Romans 3, we can't even seek God. But because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for you and I, we are made right with God. He who knew no sin died for sinful men. And because of that, we are made right with God. It's amazing. It's amazing. See, because the moment that we respond to the gospel, we are pronounced righteous. The moment you respond to the gospel, the gospel, the good news of Jesus' coming to provide forgiveness of sin to all who believe, the gospel, the only story in history where the hero died for the villain, right? The moment you surrender your heart to Jesus and give your life to him, right, you're pronounced righteous. It's important to understand that as you think about this doctrine of justification, justification does not make us righteous, but rather pronounces us righteous. Right? We, now, as we process this whole thing of justification, know this. We are justified by grace through faith. But what, what I want to share with you today is that, yeah, while, while being right with God is the greatest joy we could ever experience, I wanna, I'm going to help you to see today that being right with God comes with some fringe benefits. Right? You remember, right, when you applied for your job? You wanted to know what the benefits are. If I tell you right now, I was hiring, right, for you to sit in church all day, five days a week, right, you ain't nothing, nothing for you to do, but just come and just sit, right, and, and I'm going to give you health insurance, right, I'll even cash app you, right, because we don't do checks anymore, right, we do cash out, we do Venmo, right, but all you got to do is just show up and sit here, you're going to be like, and it come with benefits, sign me up. But also if I say, hey, listen, I want you to be the CEO or the COO of a company, but I'm not going to pay you. It's a volunteer role, right? You're not going to get paid for it. There's no health insurance, nothing. I just want you to volunteer your time, right? Y'all going to be like, you know what? I knew he was crazy. I'm not doing all of that for no benefits, but here's the joy. God has called us into a relationship with him by nothing that we're able to do on our own. And he says, you know what? I want you to come into relationship with me. And when you come into relationship with me, you're gonna be made right with me and I'm gonna give you benefits because of it. That's the joy in this, right? 
Paul here in this text today really does a great job at resting his case that God justifies sinners on the basis of faith alone. And he turns his attention to counter the notion that although believers receive salvation by faith, it is preserved by good works. Now, notice this. I'm not saying that we're saved by our works, right? But what, but what the text shows us, right, and what Paul was getting across really in this text is that not that we're saved by our works, but that our relationship with the Lord, us being right with God, is preserved by our works. It's being obedient to God, y'all, that, that preserves our justification. Paul here argues, y'all, that they are bound eternally to Jesus Christ, uh, preserved by his power and not by human effort. For us to be kept in Christ, y'all, it isn't by nothing that we're able to do on our own. It's simply by the divine power, the mighty power, the supernatural power of God that we are saved and are being saved, right? We are made right with God by his power, not by anything that we're able to do on our own. I want you to know today that the greatest joy in this life is being right with God. But being right with God, being justified, it comes with some amazing benefits. It comes with benefits. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what those are. There's five, at least five, right, uh, that I'm going to show you in this text, right? Maybe you'll read this and you'll find more, right? But I'm going to show you five, right? Five benefits right here in this text, right, that comes with us being right with God. Number one, when you are right with God, when you are justified by God, the first benefit that our text shows us is that we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Watch what he says in the text, right? He says, therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. Simple Bible processing. Whenever you see the word therefore in Scripture, you have to ask yourself a question. What is it there for? Right? When you see therefore, what is it there for? Right? So Paul is saying therefore, which means that he said something earlier that is really thrusting him into the rest of this chapter. Well, what did he say? Romans 1. Right? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it reveals the power of God and the salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Therefore, why is he saying it? Because of Romans 2. God is the only judge. Only God can judge us, right? He says in Romans 2, but then in Romans 3, therefore, right? What, therefore, but why? Why are you saying therefore? Because of Romans 3. Because all y'all jacked up anyway. Because none is righteous, no, not one. Because you don't seek God, right? Because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Therefore, in Romans 5, well, we got to go back. Romans 4, right? Because righteousness has been credited, or the text says imputed to our account because of Abraham, right? Therefore, right? He says, therefore, since we have been justified, made right with God by faith, here's your first benefit. We have peace with God. Right there. In other words, right? Because you messed up, you can't have peace alone, right? Because, right, you are a sinner, right, uh, apart from Christ, there's no way that you can have peace with God on your own. But since you have been justified, you've been made right, how? By faith, we have peace with God, how? Through Christ, right? 
See, understand that peace is a combination of hope. It's a, uh, peace is a combination of hope, trust, and quiet in mind and soul brought about by being reconciled with God. And listen to this. Peace with God isn't about just some personal sense of calm and patience, but it's an external, objective reality. Right? God has declared himself to be at war with every human being because of man's sinful rebellion against him and his laws. But when we're made right with God, the sinner's war with God ends forever. Think about that for a moment. Because you have peace with God, you're no longer at war with him. Uh, because you're at peace with God, you don't have to fight God. You don't have to fight for your desires. Let me tell you why you don't. Remember, he says, I'll give you the desires of your heart. But when you're at peace with God, you don't have to fight for the desires of your heart. Why? Because when you're at peace with God, he is the desire of your heart. When you're at peace with God, it is he that you want, right? You no longer have to fight God because you're no longer at war with him, right? Because we are now his, we now have peace with him. See, when we have peace with God, that means no more worrying about the things that I can't change. When you have peace with God, it's no more stressing about the things that you can't fix. When you have peace with God, what you're communicating to God is that I'm going to take what life presents and trust God with everything that's in me. Because I have peace with him. When we are justified, we have peace with God. There is no longer a war with God because, uh, because now, empowered by the Spirit, we can seek God daily. Do you know that there is, a, there, there is a war still going on today, but it's not with God? The war that you are experiencing today is a war, the Scripture says, between your flesh and your spirit. Right? Well, which one going to win? The one you feed the most. Right? Let's make it clear. If I got two dogs, right? Let's say two Rottweilers. Nah, those are too big and I don't like dogs. Let's say two Maltese. <laughs> like, you, they, they the same weight, same color, all those different things. Which one grows the quickest? It's the one you feed the most. Right? Let me ask you this. Are you feeding your flesh the most or are you feeding your spirit? Because if, you're, if all you're doing is feeding your flesh but not your spirit, your flesh is going to overtake your spirit. But if you begin to feed your spirit, what will happen is your flesh will die. And scripture tells us in Galatians, right? I'm crucified with Christ, yet not I live, but Christ lives in me, right? The more and more you allow Christ to live in you, the more and more you crucify your flesh, right? There's, yeah, there's a war, but it's not with God. Why is the war not with God? Because you're at peace with God, right? There was a time, y'all, when we were enemies, but now in Christ, y'all, we have peace with God. Peace with God means that our problem with sin has been settled by the blood of Christ, Y'all don't get excited even about that, though. Like, 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 think about it, right? Peace with God means that our problem with sin has been settled by the blood of Christ. Meaning that, that which was disconnecting you from your creator has now been settled. The one thing that everybody else has been holding against you, God has washed it with holy bleach. 
the one thing that has you living, um, um, even angry with yourself, Jesus said, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The one, the one thing that's been separating you from God has been eradicated. It's been settled by the blood of Christ. God is our, let me tell you, the joy of being at peace with God is that he's no longer your judge, but he's your father. No, I'm not saying that, right? Like scripture says, right, when Christ was teaching, and he said, listen, he's talking to the church. He says, listen, y'all judge those inside. I'll judge those on the outside, which means that like Christ is no longer judging us as the church. Why? Because we have his word to follow. He's given us instructions, right? But here's the thing. But God is a father to us, right? I remember a time, right, when that I can remember the first issue I've had in life. I know I had some before then. I just don't remember them, right? But one issue, I was about seven or eight years old, right? Uh, I remember even what I had on. I had on some black jeans and a purple Bugs Bunny T-shirt, right? We were at the bowling alley, and some guy said something to me out of the way, right? I knew these guys were big. I couldn't take them, but I was able to take my concerns to my daddy, right? I said, daddy, here's what happened, and my daddy in his very white, or his Emmett Smith, right? He says, where they at? And my dad goes to them, and he corrects the situation, because, right, I have peace with God, right? I don't, I don't have to worry about my dad saying to me, okay, son, well, what did you do for this to happen? He's going to say, okay, son, since you're my child, since you're my son, let me go make sure that you're safe. Let me make sure you're okay. Let me make sure you have what you need. The joy of being at peace with God is that he's no longer your judge, but he's your father and you can go to him. Thank God for peace. Peace with God means that I don't have to live in fear. Thank God for peace because peace with God means that I don't have to worry about what I can't control. Thank God for peace. I have, because I have peace with God, right? I have the privilege to put every burden, every unanswered question in the hand of my God. Thank you, God, for peace. Scripture says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. What am I saying here? The greatest joy in life is being right with God. And because you're right with God, hear this. You have peace with God. That's your first benefit. You have the benefit of being at peace with God. When you're, when you're justified, not only do you, number one, do you have peace with God, but number two, you have access to God. You have access to God. Watch what he says, verse two. Here's what he says. Through him, we also... We have also obtained access by faith unto this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Think about this. Because you are right with God, you have access to God. Hey, Bob, I'm, I'm loving the second service better right now. I mean, they just, they just called it, Right? Because you are right with God, you have access to God. Maybe let's word it a different way. Because you are right with God, you have unlimited access to God. Right? It's almost like, right, going to a building. Uh, you, ever been, you ever been to a building, maybe a hotel or something like that, and in order to get in the room, you needed a swipe card? 
You need others to let you in so that you can move around. Otherwise, right, you feel immobile or trapped or dependent on others. Many times, y'all, we feel stuck in life as if we're immobile or trapped. But here's the thing. Through Christ, we have a special swipe card with God, right? He isn't setting up boundaries or borders to say, hey, my office hour, one of my favorite movies, y'all. Y'all may not know what this is, right? But one of my favorite movies is the five heartbeats, right? I promise you, right, if you watch this movie, I promise you, you'll thank me later, right? But in the movie, right, there was this guy, he hung him over the balcony because he was trying to talk business after his office hours. And he said to him, what are my office hours? My office hours nine to five, and then the guy was scared for his life, and he said, my office hours are from nine to five. Right? And he made sure he knew that, hey, I don't talk business after 5 o'clock. Right? Here's the thing. When life has you feeling like you're over a balcony, God, ain't, God don't have no office hours. He's available to you 24-7, 365. You have unlimited access to him. You can come to him in times of joy. You can come to the Lord in times of sorrow. You can come to the Lord in times of peace. You can come to the Lord in times of anxiety. You can come to him in plenty. You can come to the Lord in dire need. Hear this. I'm glad that our God don't have um, daytime minutes. Okay, y'all don't know what daytime minutes is either. Let me tell you, when cell phones first came out, Right, you only had like 500 daytime minutes, but anytime after seven, you could talk as long as you wanted. But I'm glad, right, that God has unlimited earth time and I don't have to wait to after seven o'clock to knock on his door. I'm glad that 24 seven, 365, I can beat on God's door and he inclines his ear. I'm so glad that our God, right, um, wants to hear what we have to say. Psalms talks about how God inclines his ear to his people. Here's what I think about. When I think about God inclining his ear to us and we have access to him, I think about my granddaddy. My granddaddy, right, in his family room, he had a recliner, right? And I remember, right, they, they had this, this plastic cover in their hallway, right, that you, we can almost tell who was coming down the hallway by how the feet slid on this plastic cover, right? And Papa would flop. So, and Granny would slide, she wouldn't lift her feet, she would just slide. Papa would flip his, right? But he had this recliner in his family room, right? And I remember us running down the hall, we would pop off, pop off, pop off. He would be reclined in his chair, but when he heard our cry, he inclined, he got up and said, hey, what's going on? How can I help you? What do you need? That's God for us, right? Because he's, God is reclining, at the, Jesus is reclining at the right hand of the Father. But as soon as we are in need, he inclines his ear to us, us, right? When we need him, he gives us his attention. You have access to God. Because you're right with him, he wants to hear what you have to say. You have a, like 24-7, 365, the ever-present spirit is what guides us through all things. There is nothing that is stopping us from drawing near to our God except for our sin and our rebellion. But that too can be eradicated. You can place your sin, you can place your rebellion in the hands of the Father because he will not leave you nor will he forsake you. He's not, like, like okay, you need scripture, here it is. Love keeps no record of wrong. 
He's not keeping the laundry list of everything you've done wrong. Why? Because you're right with him. And because you're right with him, you have access to him. You have access to him. Scripture says it this way. Let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in times of need. We can draw near to the Father, right? Understand this. Before our salvation, y'all, we stood in Adam and we were condemned. But now in Christ, we have a perfect standing before God and we can enter into his presence because we have access to him. Here's what Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 really drives home this whole idea of having access to God. He said, so then, remember that at one time you were Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by those called the circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of promise without hope and without God in the world. Now, here it is. Like, like this is your shout right here, right? But now, he says, in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near, how? By the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility in his flesh. He made of no effect the law consisting of commands and expressed in regulations so that he might create in himself one new man from the two, resulting in peace. He did this so that he might reconcile both to God and one body through the cross by which he put the hostility to death. Um, go down further in him. You are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit, which means that, right, because you are right with God, right, you have access to God. How do I have access? Because Holy Spirit has taken up residence in my heart, allowing me access to places that I couldn't get in on my own. Right. When I was in Atlanta last week, right, uh, I have I have Hilton rewards, right? I got the Hilton points and I can sign up. I got the Hilton app on my phone, right? If you, got a, if you got an Apple phone, download the Hilton app. If you got an Android, charge your phone, then download the Hilton app, okay? But with my, I, I, down, I got the Hilton app and the joy with it is that whenever I'm standing at a Hilton hotel, I don't need a key because it's all on my phone, right? I can just go to the door, Put the phone close to the door and it unlocks the door. How does it work? I don't know. Computer something, right? But it works, right? But what I'm glad is that when I go to the Father, right, I don't need nobody else to give me a key because Holy Spirit has taken up residence in my heart. How does it work? By grace, through faith. Because Holy Spirit has taken up residence in my life, taken up residence in my heart. I have access to God. Because you are right with God, you have access right to him, right? The greatest joy in his life is being right with God. Because we are right with God, we have peace with God. But hear this, we also have access to God. Because I have access to God, I can call on him when I need him. I can worship him whenever I want. I can praise his holy name whenever I want. Because I have access to him, it gives me the fortitude, if will, to place my faith in him. You have access to God. Let me ask you something. Because you have immediate, immediate and direct access to God, what burdens are you carrying on your own that you need to place at his throne of grace? You have access to God. Don't let those things, don't let those burdens weigh you down. You can give it to him. You have access to him and you can give your burdens to him. 
Right? He says, come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. You can take it to him. Well, why can't I take it to him? Why can't I give it to him? It's because of the third benefit that the text shows him. Third benefit. Here it is. You can give it to him because when we are justified, we have hope in him. Your hope is in him. Again, in verse 2 in the text, he says, through whom also we have through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Understand this about hope. Hope is a confident expectancy that God is going to do just what he said. Now, hope is not just wishful things. But hope is you can take to the bank it's going to happen. Right? We, see this word hope we use wrong. Right? Let, let, me give you, let me give you an example of us using the word hope wrong. I hope the Cardinals win. <laughs> it's just not happening right now, right? Because our hope is built on nothing less, not mosaic, right? Right? Hope is not wishful thinking. Hope says, I know it's going to happen because I know who my hope is in. Hope is really what distinguishes the Christian from the unbeliever who has no hope. Hope resides in those who believe in Christ. Hope comes from God. Hope, right, um, is really God's calling. Hope comes from God's grace. Hope comes from God's word. Hope comes from the gospel, right? Deeply embedded in the gospel, the good news of Jesus coming to provide forgiveness of sin to all who believe. Hope, the only story, uh, comes from the gospel. The only story in history where the hero died for the villain, deeply embedded within the, within the roots of the gospel is the hope that we ought to place in God. Hope is directed toward God through Christ. Hope, right, since hope is what separates believers and unbelievers, y'all. The question that the believer has to wrestle through is what am I going to do with this hope that I have? If I have hope, what am I going to do with it? I'm going to tell you right now, right? You may want to write this down. This is the deepest thing I'm going to say. If you have hope, what you do with it is you rejoice in it. You got to learn to rejoice in it, right? Literally, he says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. See, the unsaved person can't rejoice in hope. Why? Because they don't have it. An unbeliever, an unsaved person does not, they are without hope. And those of us who have it, we cannot boast in good works that bring salvation. Romans 2, I mean, um, Ephesians 2, we just read that. But we can boast in the wonderful salvation that God has given us in Christ in which we place our hope. Right? Hope contains no uncertainty. It speaks of something that is certain but not yet realized, right? Like, I know one day God is going to use the Cardinals to win a World Series. <laughs> when we are justified, y'all, we have hope and we rejoice in it. It does us no good to have hope if you ain't going to be excited about it. It does no good to have hope in God if you ain't going to rejoice in it. Listen, y'all, in any walk of life, there are going to be times of blessing and times of great difficulty. There are going to be times when you feel full of joy and there will be times when you feel quite desperate, right? But, but when you feel desperate in hope, Scripture tells us what to do, right? Hope and desperation causes us to climb a tree. What am I saying? That's what Zacchaeus did, right? 
Zacchaeus had so much hope in Jesus that he wanted to see Jesus that he said, nothing is going to keep me from laying eyes on my Savior. Nothing is going to separate me from keeping my eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. So yeah, while I may be short in stature, I'm going to climb this tree. But here's what happened. He was so desperate to see Jesus. The book of Matthew talks about how he climbed this tree. And guess what happened? He fell out of the tree. He was so desperate to see Jesus that he still fell. But here's what happened. Jesus saw his desperation. It says, I can't get up, boy, I'm coming to your house. Jesus goes to Zacchaeus' house and his whole household got saved. Because Zacchaeus went to Jesus when he was desperate and nothing kept him, he learned to rejoice in his hope. Or are you rejoicing in your hope? What are, you, what are you doing with the hope that you have? Right? In God's word, he calls us to steady tenacity, to, to sticking at it, to, to this grit, this stick if you will, right? To persevere over the long haul. The hope that Paul speaks about here is what the New Testament um, refers to as the hope of glory, right? Uh, uh, the great and glorious hope that is ours in Christ is what he's talking about here. This hope is located not in this world, but in this new world into which Christ will bring us at the time of his second coming, right? We must learn, right, that if hope is a benefit that we have, we must learn to rejoice in it. What good is it going to do you, right, to have a vacation days a benefit on the job if you don't ever use them? But if, you, if hope is a benefit, use it. How do I use my hope? I use it by rejoicing in my hope. Well, how, Pastor Bird, do, do I rejoice in my hope? How do I rejoice in this hope? Here's how, right? I'm going to tell you how to rejoice in your hope. Number one, you rejoice in hope by stop indulging in false hope. You got to stop indulging in false hope. Not only do you rejoice in your hope by stop um, indulging in false hope, right? What, wait, hold up. We got to be clear on what false hope is. False hope is thinking that all I got to do is get a better job and I'm going to be all right. False hope is if only my wife would just cook. <laughs> false hope is if I could just get my husband to just fix the door that's been broke for three years. There's no hope in that, right? It might get fixed, but there's no hope in it. Right, I'm going to tell you, my family and I moved into a new house about three years ago. There's, I still got a honeydew list. She hoped I'm going to fix it. I said, no, babe, you dreaming I'm going to fix it. <laughs> we have to stop indulging in false hope, right? right. You, you, you rejoice in your hope by recognizing short-term uncertainty, but rejoice in long-term security. What is the long-term security? Knowing that man makes his plans, but the Lord orders his steps. The greatest joy in this life is being right with God. You can hope in him. You got to learn to rejoice in your hope. I love how Peter says it in 1 Peter 1. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice. What, what is it? In what? In hope. 
you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. When Jesus shows you who he is, it gives you enough fuel to rejoice in hope. You got to rejoice in your hope. The greatest joy in life is being right with God. And because you're right with God, you can hope in him. You got to learn to rejoice in him. Fourth benefit. Here it is. Fourth benefit. Because you're right with God, because you're justified, because you're justified by God, number four, we have daily confidence. You have daily confidence. Can I tell you something? The gospel, yes, it does give us hope for tomorrow, but it also provides to us peace for today. We have hope for tomorrow, but we also have peace for today. Right? If you don't know why I said that twice, it's because it was good to me and you said nothing the first time. Right? <laughs> the gospel gives us hope for tomorrow, but it also gives us peace for today. Right? Daily confidence is a benefit of being made right with God. He says in the text, verses 3 and 4, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Y'all, honestly, life, for some reason, has its way of presenting us with our fair share of trials and tribulations, if we're honest. When those trials come, if you're anything like me, you've asked yourself this question before. Lord, why me? But I want to encourage you today by saying to you that since you've been made right with God, those trials, those tribulations, those storms that you experience, God has placed them there to build character in you. He wants to build your character. Those trials are there to make you stronger. Right? I remember right when I was a kid, my dad would always try to convince me that WWE now, but then it was WWF. He was trying to convince me that it was fake, but he, no, it's not fake, Dad, it's real. Right? These guys are getting hit by chairs. This is real, Dad. Right? One of my favorite guys was Hulk Hogan. Right? I, I like Hulk Hogan uh, because, like, he, he had this stature. Right? I mean, I'm pretty sure, right, his muscles are so strong, he looked good in T-shirts. Right? He had muscles. He had like, like some guys would love to have a six pack. He had like a 10 pack, right? Um, and I remember him doing an interview. How did you get so strong? He said, because I had to, I had to lift weights. I had to pick up something heavy, right? That, like, and I think about that as, adult, as an adult, I'm realizing that if I want to be strong, I got to pick up something heavy, right? If you want to be strong, you want to look good in this life in T-shirts. You gotta learn to pick up something heavy. There's no way that you can be strong. There's no way that you can really represent Jesus fully if you don't wanna go through nothing, right? There's no way, right? God, his desire is to build character in you. He wants you to be stronger. Those trials, those tribulations, those storms that you experience are there to make you stronger. I know, right, this is the Ridge Church, and y'all want scripture? Well, let me give you scripture then, Bible people. <laughs> let me give it to you. James says it this way. Count it all joy when you experience various trials. 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Now, there's something that you got to understand here when he says count it all joy when you experience various trials. Now, he's not saying count it all joy when you experience the same trial over and over and over again. He's saying various, many, diversity of trials. When you experience trial after trial after trial, you got to learn that the testing of your faith produces patience. What am I getting at? A faith that has not been tested cannot be trusted. It can't, right? The trials that we experience in this life, it builds endurance, y'all. When we are tired, when you are tired, that is a sign that you are running on your own strength. But when you are justified, God grants us confidence that no matter what this life presents, we'll be able to smile through it. No matter what comes your way, Right? Because you're right with God, you can press forward and give God the glory through it. I love what Peter says in 1 Peter 4. He says, beloved. Y'all, I love the King James version of this. Uh, because it makes me feel smarter when I say it. He says, beloved, count it all joy when you experience various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. Right? It, it, the, the issue isn't that we suffer. The issue isn't that we go through storms, but the problem is our response to it. How are you responding to your storms? Do you know that in the midst of suffering, God has given you daily confidence? What is the confidence that he gives you to know that he's with you and he'll never leave you nor forsake you? We must learn to respond to trials in a God-glorifying way. Respond by rejoicing in our suffering because of the hope, the confident expectancy that we have for the future allows us to have confidence that today everything is going to be all right. You got to rest in that, right? The greatest joy in life is being right with God. We have confidence, y'all, because we're right with God. We have confidence for today's journey. It's my question for you. What is your greatest joy? How do you cultivate it? Nothing that we will ever experience in this life compares to the joy of being in right relationship with God. It's not something that we can experience on our own power, but simply because of the finished work of Jesus, y'all, we can be in right relationship with God. When you've been justified by God, you have benefits. God equips us with some special tools needed to preserve our justification. When you are justified, you have peace with God. You have access to God. Your hope is in God and you can rejoice in it. You have daily confidence and finally, here's my final point and I'm done, here it is. Number five, the greatest benefit of all is that you get to experience the love of God. You get to experience the love of God. Here's what he says, closing out this passage. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Y'all just missed it right there. He didn't say once he made us perfect, he died for us. He says when, when you were still sinking deep in sin, 
far from a peaceful shore, when you were still choosing your own self over him, when you were still loving what you was doing wrong, when wrong felt so good, Christ chose to die for you. When we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we've now been justified, made right by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. What is he saying? There was something that was broken. And when, anything, when, it, when, when there's anything that's broken, it needs to be what? Fixed. What was it that was broken? Our relationship with Christ. Our relationship with God was broken. And because it was broken, it needed to be fixed. Well, how, did, how was it fixed? How did reconciliation happen? Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit shed God's love to us and through us. And God revealed his love at the cross when Christ died for those who were without strength, who were ungodly, who were sinners, who were enemies, proving his great love. For us at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith. I received my sight. And because I experienced his love, now I am happy all the day. Simply because he did for me what I could not do for myself. Because Jesus took my sin on his back. I can rest in knowing that I can be in right relationship with God. I am, yeah, saved by Christ's death, right? But we are also saved by his life. We are, uh, we get to experience the power of his resurrection and operation in our lives. I remember what Paul said to the Philippian church. Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ as my Lord. For his sake. I've suffered loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his suffering becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may resurrection from the dead. It's simply because of what Jesus did on the cross that we're able to be reconciled into right relationship with God. The song said it this way. Living he loved me. Dying he saved me. Buried he carried my sins far away. Living he justified freeing me forever. And one day y'all just missed it right there. One day he's coming back glorious day and because I have uh, to look forward to this glorious day where he's coming back I, I can rest in the benefit of being made right with God because I have access to him because my hope is in him y'all heard so my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness who is your hope in 
Is your hope in you or is it in Jesus? Right, I have access to him and because I have access to him, I can hope in him. And because I hope in him, my, my daily confidence is in the fact that he will never leave me nor forsake me. And because I have daily confidence, oh, what a joy it is to experience the love of God through Christ. I, y'all, I, I promise I'm done. But here it is. I live my life in stereo. I hear a song for everything. Right? I, and there's been so many songs that's been going through my head all day, but I'm closing with this one. He says, oh, what love he has for me that he would give his life. Right? And they, they go further and says, Jesus went to Calvary to save a wretch like you and me. That's love. They hung him high. They stretched him wide. He hung his head. For me, he died. That's love. Right. But that's not how the story ends. But in three days, he rose again. That's love. I can get excited about that because I know. Right. That, 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 that because I've been made right with God through my faith in Jesus. It comes with benefits. Right. I, I have peace with God. I don't have to be at war with God no more because I have peace with him. And because I have peace with him, I have access to him. I can beat on his door knowing that he's going to incline his earth. And because I have access to him, my hope is in him. And because I, my hope is in him, I have confidence every single day that he's going to be with me and he'll never leave me nor forsake me. And because of that confidence, I get to experience his love. What is it that brings you joy? What is the greatest joy for you? What are you doing with that? Understand that being right with God comes with amazing benefits. Are you going to utilize those benefits or are you going to let them go to waste? What good does it do you, again, to have vacation days, but you don't take vacation? <laughs> Colossians 3 tells us we work heartily to the Lord and not for men. Our life is to work for the Lord. What are you doing with the benefits that come with it? Let's pray. Father, hear our hearts cry. Hear what we say and what we don't. But I pray. Help us not only to know you, but to continue to grow in you. Those here today that are struggling with this right relationship with you, God. I'm asking you today that you right every wrong. Help them, God, to fix their eyes on you, the author and the finisher of their faith. Help them, Lord, to know and to realize, God, that they can place their hope in you. I pray for encouragement. I pray for joy and a greater level of understanding that they'll come to know you more, but they'll trust in you fully. Thank you, Jesus, for hearing our prayer. It's in your name we pray. Amen.